This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It is Tuesday, November 22nd, and I'm your host, Vincent Shen. And joining me via Skype from West Palm Beach is Fool.com contributor Dan Klein. How are you, Dan? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. So, with uh, you know the time of year, and I think a topic in the news and taking over a lot of headlines around this time of year with Black Friday, Thanksgiving, um, I figured we really couldn't help ourselves. We have to do uh, kind of a Black Friday holiday season special. And just talk a little bit about some of the strategies and other developments we're seeing in the consumer and retail world. So I figure first we can tackle some of the bigger picture expectations for this year, and then we can dive maybe a little bit more into the specific trends in the industry, how specific companies are approaching this, you know, very important period for a lot of them. How does that sound? Absolutely. And it comes down to Black Friday is not quite as big as it once was. But it's still absolutely enormous. You know, the season itself is spreading out. You've been able to get Black Friday deals pretty much since Halloween ended. But a large percentage, about 21% of people who are going to shop, are still going to shop on Black Friday, uh, excuse me, on Thanksgiving. And then leading into Black Friday, that number is going to almost double. So it's still a giant deal. About 45% of Americans will will shop on Black Friday itself, and about 60% will shop between Thanksgiving and Sunday. Okay. Well, with that in mind, you know, so many people uh, in this country obviously uh, go out and purchase one thing or another, gifts, whatever it may be, looking for those deals uh, on Friday, on Cyber Monday, and throughout the next six weeks, really. My question to you is, is there anything on your list? (laughs) I'm going to buy some technology. Uh, I'm going to buy an Apple Watch. I'm going to buy a Google Home. And I'm going to pretend I'm buying them because you're making me so I can actually, you know, understand them for future shows. But the reality (laughs) is, um, most of those items are cheaper. Anything technology related. Apple, you have to go to Apple vendors. You know, Best Buy will have deals on Apple products. Apple might, they have in the past, but in general, they'll push you toward their vendors. Amazon's products are all cheaper on Black Friday, uh, sometimes dramatically so. And Google Home is, I think, $99 down from $129. So it is a great time to buy certain things, but that sort of brings up the whole Black Friday idea. This is not a day or a weekend where you can just go to the stores or jump online and assume that everything you're buying is a good price. You still need to be diligent and check because the reality is, There's a lot of models, there's a lot of things where they're saying they're 50% off and they're actually slightly different model numbers with less features or they're playing games there. So this is still a time you have to be very careful and comparison shop. Well, yeah, I've also seen some of the studies they do where they say as much as, uh, you know, maybe even one in four items that you see in a Black Friday circular and some type of promotion or email is actually the same as what they were offering as maybe a doorbuster or a very uh, attractive item in terms of the discount from the previous year. And at the same time, uh, some people have complained that you know the companies will raise their prices so that they can advertise a bigger percentage discount. But in actuality, you're not not—you're really getting uh, less of a deal there. But I think everyone has seen firsthand the long lines, the crowded stores, and the you know overall mania that comes with this season, especially this upcoming weekend. But I'd like to put into perspective for uh, our fools who are listening, when you take some of the most well-known retailers in this country and you look at 
their calendar fourth quarter and what kind of impact this period has on their annual results. It's pretty significant. Just some major retailers that uh, often come to people's minds. For example, Macy's, their fiscal fourth quarter runs actually from November through the end of January. But revenue from that season made up just under one-third of uh, their total top line for the year, but over half of net income for the year. And then if you go look at uh, a Walmart, for example, about 27% of revenue comes from that quarter, but uh, over 31% of their bottom line Big competitor, Target, 29% of revenue, 40% of earnings. Best Buy really surprised me. A third of their sales will come from this holiday shopping period, but over half of their you know bottom line profits are generated in this quarter. And even if you go to an Amazon, you're looking at 80% of their profits coming from the fourth quarter. So, you know, what about specifically in 2016 uh, I know there's these expectations uh, as you know the National uh, Retail Federation they say that over 137 million people will be consumers between Thursday and Sunday you know out there shopping be it online or in stores huge percentage you said 20% on Thanksgiving uh, yeah it's, what, it's about six in ten Americans will shop overall so what, what about the expectations for this year then bullish bearish it bullish. Uh, numbers are supposed to be up, and uh, about three and a half percent was the original prediction. Things started a bit slowly. The election cast a bit of a cloud, and th- those early weeks when when a few companies like Office Depot were getting out really ahead with their Black Friday deals early, um, sales were a little bit tepid because you know the country was in a little bit of a first uh, I don't know who's going to be president and then maybe a little bit of confusion after the election but it does seem like overall sales are going to be up and with what you said about the percentage it is for all these big retailers I would argue that for a Walmart a Target a Best Buy it's become even more important because digital sales are going to grow 9 or 10% and if you're Best Buy and you capture a digital customer your ability to sell to them the rest of the year you already have their credit card info you have their email it puts you on a more even footing with Amazon. Amazon. So, you know, it's great if a retailer can get people in and get a lot of sales, but if they can capture that info, they're setting themselves up well for the rest of the year or really next year. Yeah, and as we'll see uh, as we get into the second part of our discussion around some of those broader trends and this what uh, companies are doing specifically, I think a big part of it that will here underlie every single thing uh, that we see with these companies is that they're kind of balancing their efforts between their physical retail locations, if they're a traditional brick-and-mortar chain like a Walmart or a Target, like you mentioned, versus their online presence and their online business. Trying to strike the right balance about uh, where to focus, because you know you obviously have the stronger growth on the online in the digital space, but also balancing the fact that you know they have these stores and they want to leverage them uh, wherever possible. And I think the rules have changed a little bit. We all remember the days of you know people bashing each other over the head to get a Cabbage Patch Kid or whatever the hot dog. <laughs> you don't remember that, but you know, some of us older folks remember that. And there are still some hot toys that will sell out, and maybe you won't be able to get them until you know January fifth. But the reality is, stores have been promising availability. You can go online, you can buy something, you can pick it up in the store. Even if they're out of something, you'll get a rain check. It'll be relatively quickly. Stores have done a much better job managing expectations and managing inventory. So those sort of old, you know, I think it's been a couple of years since you've seen a story about like a stampede of people at a Walmart where somebody gets crushed. 
they really they've spread out the season and through managing distribution they've sort of changed expectations so I don't think as much as you're going to get a large amount of people shopping on Thursday and Friday you're not going to get the same level of camping out so people can get I don't even know what the hot toy is maybe you know a remote control BB-8 or or whatever it might happen to be. Yeah, but I feel like in that also what's also helping to potentially prevent you know some of those crazy headlines that you do see with the stampedes you know waiting uh, with you know huge hordes of people waiting at the doors for when they open at God knows when in the morning. But I think it also helps that people are more informed now in general in terms of what the options are because they have their mobile devices, they can shop online and, and kind of like price check. What, how good the deal really is. Um, I have something here that says that 9 out of 10 people will do online research before going out to stores to make a purchase. 8 out of 10 people who have mobile devices will be using them actively when they're out shopping to price check, maybe look at reviews and just make a more informed decision. I think that also helps alleviate some of that pressure, whereas before it was, you felt like this was the only opportunity I need to get this doorbuster deal. It does. And I think stores have learned their lesson. You remember the days where like Walmart would have one television. It would be, you know, back when a 32 inch television cost $400 and they'd have one for $99 and people would kill each other trying to get it. You don't really see those limited availability deals anymore. You know, a few places are running wall supplies last, but for the most part, stuff is available and they're focusing, most of the retailers are taking the Amazon approach. A lot of things are discounted. Nothing is ridiculously discounted. You know, you're, you you're not going to get a, a new $1,000 laptop for $150. I mean, there might be some deals like that, but very few. Okay, so I, I do want to get into some of the specifics. You just mentioned Amazon. But before we move on uh, to the details with these uh, particular companies, I do want to thank Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans for supporting industry focus. Uh, I know I probably complained to you, Dan, on more than one occasion about the many months that uh, you know we Gina and I spent planning for the wedding, and now we are thinking about buying our first home together. And the last thing I want to do is kind of recreate that stress that we had while looking for the right place, applying for financing, moving in. Fortunately, Rocket Mortgage is bringing the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements, pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's tailored to a unique financial situation. And it is fast, powerful, and completely online, so you can do all of this from your smartphone or tablet. And that means no more digging through boxes of old files and old paperwork. So if you're looking to buy a home or refinance your mortgage, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash fool. That is quickenloans.com slash F-O-O-L. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. So, all right, some of these trends and how they're playing out at uh, specific companies that we know and love. Uh, one thing I want to talk about was in-store pickup. So we know uh, we've mentioned Walmart a few times already during this episode. Um, in the past year, they've been promoting various in-store pickup initiatives, and a, a big one was curbside grocery service. Um, and they've expanded that into new and established markets this year. But just in terms of the penetration that's seen, you know, Target says about. 15% of its online orders get picked up at stores. And overall, I think the big benefit of something like in-store pickup is it helps drive traffic to stores where people will hopefully make other purchases. Um, even a JCPenney, uh, I was really impressed to hear that consumers pick up as much as 40% of their online orders from JCPenney department store locations. And that's a relatively new capability for the company. And you know, management's commented that the best part of that 
is that 40% of those shoppers who pick up orders in store, they end up making an additional purchase when they're there anyway. So, what do you think? Is that, uh, you know, have you seen more companies marketing? Very important during the holidays. Mm -hmm. As a shopper, you know, I don't want to brave the traffic, leave my house to hope I get whatever device it is or coffee maker or whatever ridiculous thing I'm going to buy for myself this holiday season. I want to know I'm going to get it. So if I can't order it on Amazon and I'm going to buy it at a physical retailer from Walmart, from Target, from JCPenney, I want to be able to place the order and know when I get to the store it's going to be there, not that I'm going to have to wait in line or fight through it. So that is a real strong positive. And I don't see it being an issue the rest of the year. The rest of the year it's a lot easier to just go to a shelf and pick something up than to wait in a customer service line and and pick up your online order. I've done that a few times as we've talked about in the show before and it's not the easiest system in the world, though I expect they'll be throwing more people at it for the holidays. But it's going to be very important for those companies because it's going to put people in stores and they still have to check out. They still have to wait in line. They're going to see a lot of stuff. They're going to spend more money. Yeah, it's something with that as well that I think is a kind of uh, another perk that comes along with an initiative like this is how it impacts uh, you know how the companies manage their inventory, how they can clear out their inventory without taking hits in terms of uh, being forced to put on major discounts or markdowns. And the idea basically being, if your local JCPenney location can fulfill that online order by simply pulling it off the shelf, the company can avoid the shipping expense. So that's already benefiting their 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 margins and their profits. And also, it can help them clear out their inventory so that they don't have things sitting around that they need to clear out for new products. And they take a hit by having to you know put it on clearance later down the road. And so, you know, I want to talk a little bit about how other companies are approaching this idea with inventory management, and this is something that uh, I've had several episodes recently, kind of talking about. Besides, uh, something like with SKU uh, rationalization, so stock keeping units, how people are trying to simplify what they keep on their shelves, uh, making their overall business, their operations, much more efficient, more profitable. And the thing is, that can mean not just simplifying your product lines, but also being more cautious about the amount of inventory you keep on hand. I think, Dan, you will remember uh, last year, for example, a lot of people were still wearing shorts and flip-flops well into November, <laughs> and a lot of apparel retailers got hit. I'm, right? wearing, I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops as we speak. Okay, so, so not quite fair uh, you know, <laughs> that with you down in Florida, but even here, it's only this past weekend in the Washington, D.C. area has it really started to get very cold. And last year, a lot of apparel retailers got hit holding on to tons of their cold weather apparel and eventually having to discount that, put markdowns on that in order to help clear the inventory. DSW is just an example where they're kind of approaching this year much more cautiously. Yeah, um, there's there's always going to be things you can't predict. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, we've talked about. I'm in I'm in Southern Florida, and if you go to Target right now, there are no warm weather clothes because they have basically decided, even though it's still 75, 80 degrees someday, they've decided it's fall or our version of fall. So there's long sleeve t-shirts, there's pants, and that's an inventory bet. That's them saying, well, we could keep the shorts around, but we might get stuck with them. So let's take just take a longer season. That's why it's always hard to buy gloves in the middle of winter, because they've already moved on to summer. As a retailer, the more you know about what people want, 
the better you can manage your inventory. And that goes back to store pickup. If I know 36 hours in advance that I've sold 17 Nespresso coffee makers, then that tells me something about buying patterns. You can probably project that out to how many you're gonna get picked up in the store and know how much inventory. It all becomes data that can let you manage your products more efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just going back for a second uh, to some of the apparel retailers who got hit with the uh, with the crazy warm weather that we saw last year, and that we're seeing a little bit of this year as well uh, with DSW, for example. I really like. Uh, I really wanted to point them out because I like this description that management has given for their stores, um, in the idea that basically their stores are just warehouses or fulfillment centers that happen to open their doors to the public every single day. So, you know, with and that's, the And that's the model Walmart is moving towards. Exactly. Where you're leveraging the fact that you have these giant stores and sure, you're going to get some walks through traffic and but it's all about what you sell and having the thing someone wants when they want it. And Amazon actually does that better than anyone, making sure they have in a local fulfillment center the razor blades you're going to order because you ordered them seven weeks ago, and it has an algorithm that shows you're going to order them again on that eighth week. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, in in the end, if they can, uh, with local with the local in store pickup, avoid the shipping expense or uh, reroute orders. That are shipping from you know one of these DSW stores, for example, from a store that has excess inventory on hand. Well, they effectively just help to clear that inventory out without resorting to some type of clearance or markdown, and can help preserve for, some of their for you know, apparel, profitability. For DSW, for shoes, for clothes, there's a huge advantage to in-store pickup in that. I'm at least going to look at it, if not try it on. There is always the possibility if I order from DSW online, which my wife does all the time, and I would say she sends back nine out of 10 pairs because it's it's not quite what she wanted, it doesn't quite fit right. If she did in-store pickup, she has the ability to pick it up Try it on and give it back. And if it doesn't fit, if it doesn't fit, try on the the next size up or down. A, right? ab, absolutely, and and that applies to pretty much any product. I mean, how disappointing is it when you get your your new fifty six inch television and the bezel on it isn't what it looked like in the picture, and it's not what you want. So you have to go through the whole trouble of putting it back in a box and sending it back. Driving people to stores, but also using digital technology is what physical retailers can do that Amazon can't. Yeah. And I think, uh, again, again, underlying all this is the idea that you know a lot of these companies are investing in their technology and their infrastructure to be able to roll out initiatives like this quickly to adapt, to take that data that you mentioned to evaluate buyer patterns, what's popular, what's selling, what's not, and to be able to you know keep maybe a lower inventory of products, but hopefully fulfill or uh, restock that as necessary as they see. Hey, demand seems to be really shooting up for, like you mentioned, uh, you know, back in the day, those cabbage patch dolls or whatever it may be. <laughs> so uh, the last topic I do want to touch on, and it seems to be uh, a little bit, I guess, controversial or just people fall into two different camps here, is whether uh, you know stores should keep their doors open on Thanksgiving versus Black Friday. So a lot of companies have jumped on to. The it jumped into the camp, and they believe that Thanksgiving just let 
their employees, for example, have their day off to spend this time with their families or doing whatever it may be to have that time available. Uh, Nordstrom, Barnes & Noble, Bed Bath & Beyond, TJ Maxx, Cabela's, Costco, and of course, REI, which I remember I think we talked about last year, they generated a lot of discussion around this topic with their uh, you know, opt-outside marketing. So, you know, with the numbers going around, with people uh, spending uh, their time at stores during the traditional Black Friday window, uh, that's has shrunk because you've mentioned earlier how it's kind of spreading out more. But what do you think? What's your take on this whole Thanksgiving versus open versus not open? The only company not making a mistake is REI. REI is a lifestyle brand built around activity and being outside. So for them to close and tell you to go take a hike instead is a very smart public relations move. Everybody else is making a mistake, and here's why. Most consumers have very little brand loyalty. So if I've decided I'm going to shop on Thanksgiving Day, even though I prefer Target or I love Barnes & Noble, but I want to buy books, and Barnes & Noble's closed but Target is open, I am going to go to the store that's open. Very few people are waiting to go to their favorite store. Now, if you're a specialty retailer, if you're selling jewelry or something very unique, okay, you can close your doors. But if you're a mass merchandise retailer, if you don't open on Thanksgiving, those are sales you're losing that you're not getting back. And very, very few stores are gonna get enough of a public relations bump to say, oh, hey, this was a good move. And as far as the whole employees getting a day off thing, I worked retail for two years. I ran a giant toy store. And I would have been open on Christmas day, I would have opened every single day, I used to open Easter alone just to have the the sales. And the reality is if you work in retail, you're used to working bad hours. You work Sundays, you work weekends, you work holidays. Thanksgiving doesn't need to be an exception because it's your paycheck. If your store is open, it's taking in more money, its bottom line is going to be better. And there's really no reason unless every retailer closes for any retailer to close. That's that is an interesting take, and I have to say, you make a very good point with the idea that unless you have your brand with incredibly strong loyalty, or you like you mentioned some type of specialty goods or something along those lines, that if somebody wants to shop on Thanksgiving, they will simply go where the doors are open, and you lose out on that you know share of their wallet, right? But I will also I do want to say that you know some people who have argued against uh, the idea of keeping uh, your stores open on Thanksgiving is that. You know, maybe not so much with consumers uh, in terms of winning them over with that type of promotion. Maybe REI is doing it right, like you mentioned. But the idea that you know, in terms of company morale and just overall how that plays out with your various stakeholders and the that, that public image, the morale of employees, how they the kind of longer term, maybe less tangible effects that here's they a, have. Here's the thing. I'll, I'll go back to my retail experience. There's a way to manage that. So if I asked people, first of all, for holidays, I took volunteers first. Who who wants the hours? There's plenty of seasonal employees at all of these places that are just going to want the hours. Second, I made the day fun for employees. There'd be pizza. There'd be you know snacks. There might be sales contests. There might be giveaways. As a manager, as a retail manager, it is your job to make it so when people have to come in on a day they otherwise wouldn't be coming in, that it's it's part of the rah-rah go team, and maybe they're getting a bonus day off in the summer. Maybe they're getting entered into a lottery where you know one in every five employees gets an extra three days off, whatever it is. There's absolutely ways to manage the morale you know, without making it a negative. You can't ignore that. You're right, absolutely. Who wants to leave Thanksgiving and, and have to come into work? But some people do, and others can be incentivized to. 
Yep, fair enough. I think that when you are at the scale of some of these bigger retailers, it definitely makes it a much more challenging to get those incentives right. But um, it's definitely interesting. I'm kind of curious to see how the winds blow in terms of people's preferences, uh, where the industry takes that. But overall, I think uh, there will always be that you know that kind of diehard contingent of stores that do have their stores uh, that do have their locations open uh, on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, maybe sometimes the whole day, or maybe just half the day. But you know, wanting to hit those customers who are eager, and it's like you know maybe a tradition for their family to go out after dinner. I, I, I won't be anywhere near those stores. There's absolutely nothing you can't buy online that <laughs> anyone is getting on my list. If, if if you're on my Christmas list and you want something I can't buy on Amazon or otherwise digitally, you are absolutely out of luck. Uh, okay, so uh, wrapping up here, I'd say overall, um, we know that. In terms of the financials, that this period, this next, this quarter overall does have a big impact on the annual results. But I think Black Friday, the title that it once held as the official start of the holiday shopping season, where you have a four-day weekend, families get started uh, on all their uh, Christmas gifts, for example. I don't think that holds any longer, and you know, it really comes down to the fact that companies and the industry, retail industry overall, has they've been essentially milking this for so long and getting so aggressive in terms of their competition, it's just not as compelling anymore. And the fact that you have all these different options with companies that maybe want to offer good discounts year-round rather than extreme discounts for this four-day period, for example. And other brands are just taking the approach of spreading out the timing of the promotion so they don't have to compete with with. You know, during this incredibly uh, you know crazy time for that share of people spending, but it's diluted and weakened what I would call the Black Friday brand. But overall, this is always going to be a period for you know a lot of the companies we follow here on this show and consumer and retail. Very important to see how they do in terms of their actual results, but to also see how they handle what they're pushing out in terms of uh, you know innovative new ideas, investments in technology, to see uh, you know how they're trying to maximize their results from the holiday season. Uh, any last thoughts from you, Dan? Well, I've been joking all month that my Halloween costume was was dressing as a Black Friday circular. So absolutely, the, the season has blurred and it's important, but we won't know. Everyone Monday morning will want to handicap this. We won't know how the season is going to turn out until January 5th. This is not a single day anymore. It's a it's almost a six, seven week period. So, you know, if it's a bad Black Friday or a slow start to the season, it's not, you know, it, it's like baseball, not football. It's, it's 162 games. It's going to be a long holiday selling period and they can still turn it around. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Dan, for joining me. Uh, you know, good luck if you're out there at all this weekend. <laughs> Not a chance. But uh, you know, if anybody uh, has any conversation or any questions or wants to continue the conversation with us, we'd love to hear. For example, what your take is in terms of you know keeping doors open on Thanksgiving Day or, or closing them for the benefit of employees and, and the message behind that. Uh, you can uh, hit us up in the rest of the industry focus crew. At Twitter at MF Industry Focus. You can send us any questions or comments via email to industryfocus at fool.com. People in the program may own companies discussed in the show, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Thank you for listening and full on. Fool.